0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot, known locally as a February room, is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite developments, fly rods, and fishing accessories. Tech, precision, ingenuity, legacy. Go to cdfishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Here's your host, Lauren Karnoff, and this is The February Room.
2: Welcome to The February Room. Today I have a great guest. He's the World Dominator Coordinator over at Blackfoot River Outfitters, Matthew Churchman. Thank you so much for joining me today.
3: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you about it.
2: And I know we have an amazing fishing story that's about to that you'll be sharing with me but before we get into that story, I want to know a little bit about yourself
3: Sure well um, I'm originally from Kansas uh, the Kansas City area um, so I grew up in that area and kind of came to fishing as just I guess what we'd call conventional fishing just spin fishing and, and lake fishing for crappie and bass and catfish and that kind of stuff. Um, but then also developed an interest in fly fishing. My great grandfather had some old fly rods with the automatic reels down in his basement at his lake house. And so I was very interested in that and kind of, um, like to get those out and cast those. And that just kind of evolved over time until that was the only thing I was doing. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of, you know, where i came from fishing wise and then uh my wife and i always like to travel out west and you know fishing was always involved in that but um you know about 15 years ago um, she's the more marketable of the two of us by a long shot so uh, she was able to uh, find an, an advertising position uh, that was in missoula and i I hadn't been here, but I could read a map and, and see, um, that, uh, this would be a good place to be. So we, we, uh, headed out this way about 15 years ago.
2: And then how did you get involved with, uh, Blackfoot river outfitters?
3: Yeah. So I, you know, when my wife was out here, um, she was already making a lot of new friends, um, you know, and, and then meeting their friends as well through work. Um, and she called me one day I was working on a uh, fisheries research project, um, as a technician in Arkansas, um, on those tailwaters down there that have those huge brown trout, um, and them, you know, some of the last several world records are from down there. So it's a interesting, um, cool place to work. But anyway, she called me and said, Hey, I, I've met some people up here that might be able to give you a job. She said one, one of them owns a fly fishing business. And, and the other one, uh, is, uh, the head of the soccer, you know, used soccer program here as I'd played soccer in college. And, um, so she's like already doing my networking for me ahead of time.
2: <laughs> she's a gr- she sounds like a great woman.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, she just, and one that wanted me to have a, have a job probably too. So um, <laughs> yeah, I am not entirely self-interested, but, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was great. And so then I actually came out and was out, f- um, at the Depot for my birthday And one of their friends happened to share my birthday, so they were out for theirs, and then we made the connection that we had mutual friends and started talking and they were just getting ready to open their fly shop up in Phillipsburg, Flint Creek Outdoors, and they were looking for somebody to run it. Um, So we started chatting about that and, and, uh, you know, I was pretty excited at that prospect. So I um, went home and you know, found out their address and sent them a resume. And I don't even think they read the resume. They were just really impressed. I don't think anybody ever sent them a resume before, you know, because they're, <laughs> they're used to, you know, outfitting, you know, guides will come and they'll, you know, make connections. And it was just the fact that I, you know, had a printer and, and the wherewithal to send them something, they were very impressed by that.
2: Well, especially nowadays, right? Nothing gets mailed anymore. It's right, always yeah. like, attach your link here. and Yeah, So you know, very old school. Well, now that we've got a little bit of background of who you are, you've had quite the most interesting uh, 2020 year, (laughs) not just with coronavirus, but your own fishing experience as well. And it's uh, not maybe a lot of people, you know, it's interesting because I always ask people on this podcast, have they ever had any like near encounters, very scary experiences on the river. And they're like, uh, maybe here and there, but you actually get to say yes. And, um, I can't, I, I I'm really anxious to hear exactly what happened with you on that fateful day on the river.
3: So, um, we were taking a little trip. In fact, we, um, weren't originally scheduled to go on this, um, this river trip with, um, um, a couple of friends and then also, uh, John and Terry, uh, John Herzer and Terry Rogland, who were, uh, in addition to being friends are my employers. Um, and the folks we were chatting about who I met, at, um, out at the bar restaurant for my birthday. Um, so, uh, we actually got a call the night before they were leaving. They were going to go do an overnight, um, on a river and, um, you know, originally they had uh, some other friends that were scheduled to go and kind of backed out. And we just were talking about something else. And they are like, well, you guys should come tomorrow um, on this river trip. And I'm, like, and I'm kind of like, uh, because I, in my head, then I'm like, OK, you know, all the camping gear I make sure, you know, I got uh, you know, mess around with the boat and get all this stuff ready. And it's already, you know, seven, eight o'clock and then we're going to get up early. And we kind of chatted back and forth, said, OK, let's do it. So we get all our stuff together. Get up early the next morning, uh, head over to the river, and it's it's a ways from our from our house, so we we take a long drive. It's kind of out of our normal um, drainage where we fish, and so yeah, we just make the road trip, um, and then we have the the first day on the river. Great fishing, uh, the streamer fishing was really good. Wonderful day, and so get to camp. And I should I should say I'm with um, my wife and daughter are in my boat. Uh, my daughter is nine years old. Uh, and then John and Terry are in another raft and then our other friends are are in another raft and so we're just uh, floating down fishing uh, find a good place for camp and um, you know pull over um, kind of scan the area because I will mention not to foreshadow that we are in grizzly country <laughs> so um, you know just kind of looking around for any um, signs around camp um, you know get a pretty good feeling about it. Um, we're just on this little, we I mean, we check the GPS, we're on state land. Um, we, we kind of, these guys have been over there before, so they kind of, um, you know, we're pretty sure about that, but we check and make sure that we're, we're good to go. And we're also kind of below the high water mark. We're just right on the river. And so we go ahead and set up camp, um, do dinner. And John actually, um, I'd been rowing all day and my wife had been fishing. I didn't really fish hardly at all. And so he's not one to just sit around camp. So John says, well, let's, let's get you fishing. You need to fish. And so he proceeds to row back up the river and and have me fish. And and I caught a couple of really nice Browns, including a big 21 inch Brown, which was super cool. Just right across from camp. Um, So he was great to do that. And so then we just go back over and then just lay down for the night in our, in our tents. And then the next morning we get up and we do some coffee and and breakfast, Um, nothing more than really um, heating up water uh, as far as food Um, so just for some oatmeal or something. So not a big, big breakfast by any means. And then we just go into that. We're anxious to get on the river, right? The river's right there. It's kind of calling. We got about 12 more miles to float uh, that day. So, and we're in kind of like this scrubby, um, you know, willows and, and, um, what is, what's kind of a riparian zone. So the vegetation is pretty, pretty sparse. And then the hillsides are just grassy hillsides, open country. And so, you know, at this point we've been in camp for about you know, 16 hours um, from when we landed through the morning, you know, starting to feel pretty comfortable. We're still thinking about bears. We know where we are and, and that they're around. And we had about, I think, seven cans is what we decided, a bear spraying camp, you know, just kind of all over the roll of tables and some people have it on their hips. And, and then when I had rolled out of my tent, I was going to go take a leak. So I had just grabbed my that little pile that you make by your head in your tent uh, of your you know sunglasses and headlamp and bear spray. So I, I grabbed that little pile and I, I even remember setting it right outside the tent and saying, you know, hey Laura, here's this pot you know the miscellaneous pile And she came over and grabbed it and put it in the top of our uh, dry box And it's that time in camp where everybody's kind of quiet you know you, you're not really talking. everybody's kind of doing their own thing uh, rolling sleeping bags, rolling sleeping pads yeah so just not any kind of conversation so i go over into the kind of scrubby willows and i'm just kind of looking around and i you know kind of look back towards the river which is behind me and then i catch something uh brown out of the corner of my eye and then i pull my head up and i see that this and i instantly recognize it as a grizzly bear you know first thing is bear grizzly bear uh, in my head (laughs) and it's um uh, they walked it off later and it was 12 12 yards from where i was so somehow the two of us had managed to not see each other um which i, I, don't, I still don't know how that how that happened and uh it, at this point had walked by me head kind of head down and, it, and when i say walk by me it's um 12 yards away kind of you know i'm looking at it and it's going kind of towards camp you know back upstream Um, I'd been kind of looking downstream. So then I turned my head to kind of be facing it. And it it has no idea that I'm there. So I start backing up slowly and quietly. And so then what happens in your brain, apparently, is I I started thinking kind of in paragraphs, you know, what to do in this situation. And I, I will say that all the things you're supposed to do. Come back. It came back to me, you know, instantly, and and I knew the the major thing that I think about to this day is how loud to be it was going to be very very important. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've worked for the BLM and done bear safety training. You know, for, over days of classes for both firearms and you know watching videos and 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 talking about how to handle that situation, and then worked in Alaska, you know, carrying a shotgun down to the fish weir every day. So I've been in these situations or had some training, I guess I should say. So so I just knew that shouting, it would probably be bad um, because I, I would you know, run the risk of startling the bear. But I also knew that it was walking towards camp and that's where my nine-year-old and my wife and my friends were. So in those, as my head spinning, 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 what to do, I just decided to yell, bear there was actually two bears so at about a split split second before I had yelled bear Terry had turned towards camp Um, that's my boss and friend Um, she had turned towards camp and said and said bear kind of semi you know in a louder voice bear and that bear had kind of skittered off it was kind of walking away from her when she said it Um, whereas my bear um, was walking kind of towards her position really and so I didn't hear her. I don't know if that if it was just so close together or if my brain was just so focused on something else, but it but the people in camp heard bear, bear. And with my second, the second bear being loud, la- you know, yell being louder. As soon as I did that, and I knew that this was one of the results of maybe being too loud, as soon as I yelled bear, it just turned right on me and just made like a big guttural kind of like a wolf. And I remember that instant and then I remember, it's coming. And in, then my mind said, stand your ground, put your hands straight up over your head. Um, in, in my mind, I had done that, but on the later retelling uh, from John, who we'll get to in a second, he saw the entire encounter. He said, my hands only had time to make it from about my chest height to my chin, how fast it was able to cover that short distance. And so John was just looking downstream and he saw the entire encounter Um, So he saw, you know, he heard me, spun his head, looking right at me, sees the thing come, sees me raise my hands just to, you know, be able to basically move them in the time it takes it. And it just, the bear just hammered me. And he said it was like kind of at a 45 degree angle, just paws out and hits me. And one of my shoes came off. Now, my shoes were just slipped on. So it wasn't like the kind of force that, you know, that ripped off an untied shoe. But at the same time, it just hit me that hard. And he said it. My, I was. I landed about eight feet from where my shoe was, so almost back to the river. So by this time, I'm almost right on the riverbank. Um, and then all my brain, my brain just said, uh, get in your stomach, cover your head. Now, whether I was able to effectuate that or not, that's, that is how I ended up. So I was on, you know, on my stomach with my arms over the back of my head. And the thing was just thrashing you know to hear john's telling it was just like the whole back of it you know its whole back was just like shaking with movement you know pause in and out in and out just kind of swiping at me and it was biting down my left side to me it was just like being in like a big hairy washing machine the one thing that really worried me is then i felt it kind of get my stomach i guess the claws coming you know in uh we able to kind of Get into my stomach, and that's kind of where the worst of my injuries were—were were, um, these kind of big, long gashes on on my stomach just from the claws going in and out. And then I could hear uh, my friend John Herzer. He's like, "Oh, okay, the bear spray is, you know, this many feet behind me in a pile in front of his raft, getting ready to be loaded because we we're just supposed to be on our way." And then he saw what was happening to me, and he thought I just got to go, so he just came charging at the bear. And while I was laying on the ground, I could hear him coming, cussing, and running. You know, just this loud yell, and I could hear other people in camp start to yell. Nobody else had really calculated what was happening. Like I was, I couldn't really be seen underneath the bear. It was just this, you know, crazy thing going on. Terry thought maybe it was one of the. We did have four dogs in camp, uh, none of whom even knew this happened at all. So John's running at the bear um, while it's kind of biting down my side and just kind of doing all this stuff. And uh, and then I can hear him coming. And uh, he said, this is late on later telling, I didn't see him for a few days after, but uh, he, he said the bear stopped for a second, looked up at him and just had this really frightening, you know, look on its face and then went back to doing what it was doing. he just kept running at it, just barehanded, you know, not knowing it's necessarily, he's, and he's calculating, what am I going to do? You know, he's looking for something to pick up. And he said, you know, two things happened in his brain. He was like, number one, where's my posse? He just kept thinking there'd be all these dogs and all these people running with it. You know, just like, he's just like, God, what, what where is it? You know, where, where are these dogs? And, and then he he thought, okay, time to share the pain. You know, he's like, it's gonna come after, you know, it's gonna get off of me come after him. When, when he gets there, he thought maybe he'd jump on its back was the only thing he settled on. But all that being said, but before he was able to get there, luckily it uh, just did these series of spins these just rapid spins. I don't know if it was one or you know, probably I think he, the way he described it, maybe two, these two big spins. I don't know if it's assessing, you know, how to how to move itself from the situation. Just kind of spin, spin and out of there. And all of this thing in my my long telling of it <laughs> is, is what, between 10 and 15 seconds. My guess is it's closer to 10 seconds. You know, the whole the whole thing. Um, but just, you know, very violent and, and rapid and then it's, and then it's, and then it's over. So, so John comes over, he thinks I'm going to be dead. You know, in, in a lot of ways, he, he's a lot more traumatized by this than me because he saw it. Uh, you know, I was obviously intimately involved, but I was kind of underneath the bear. And, and in you know, a lot of ways, I think your brain kind of protects you from a, a lot of it. You know, you just kind of this just uh, a drop of aden- adrenaline and shock. And but John saw the whole thing happen, And he's thinking, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to go tell, you know, his wife and daughter that, he, you know, he's dead. Um just from the sheer violence of what what he can, he had seen. So he comes over thinking that that's going to be the case and puts his hand on my back and it's moving up and down. He's like, okay, well, he's alive. And he's like, oh, okay, well now he's going to be missing an eyeball or, you know, what's going to, what are we, gonna, what do we got here? Also, he's got, you know, by then they've got bear spray. Our other friend comes over. He's on the other side of me. Um, he's got his bear spray. He's kind of got his head on a swivel. Like his job is, is looking around and they're both telling me, Hey, you know, we, what we got to check you out here you got to roll over and uh, i said i don't want to roll over i afraid i'm going to spill out because i i remember that it had gotten it got in my stomach and i i felt i you mean know, i was still in this kind of crouched up position with my you know I, by this time i'd let my hands drop beside my beside my face from off of my head um and there was a huge pool of blood under my under my face but it was bleeding a lot um and I guess I said that same thing three times. I said I'm af- I'm afraid I'm going to spill out if I roll over. And they said, "Well, we got to see what we're dealing with. Let's roll you over." Um, so they roll me over, and there's some big gashes there, long uh, lacerations, you know. And but John, you know, being a, a hunter, notices that they're, you know, it's just white stuff, and it's um, in the fat layer, um, so not through the muscle, which is good news. And 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 he thought instantly, he's like, "Well, he's going to live," like. know we're gonna be okay here and they were saying that to me like you know we're gonna be okay i'm like you know what do we what do we got here and i have some punctures on my um right forearm from where it was over the top of my head um and i've got it it bit me all down my left side so i had um a big puncture on the back of my leg some more bite punctures around my hip um and then some right under my under my arm i broke three ribs where where I'm I'm assuming just from biting down, I broke three ribs and then kind of up on my upper shoulders. So just kind of all this stuff down my left side and then my stomach. So they're just kind of assessing the situation. So our other friend comes over and, and she sits on my left shoulder and she was just a total rock. And she had the first aid and she's just pulling stuff out and putting pressure on everything. And they're getting a sleeping bag over me and getting me cleaned up. And and meanwhile, John's going back and forth and keeping uh, Laura and Ella, um, my wife and daughter, keeping them over by camp and just kind of giving them updates and and telling them I'm going to be okay. And she's making them promise that he's not lying. He's like, I'm not lying. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be okay. But let us get him cleaned up. And so they're you know cleaning my face and, and just getting all the blood and, and and putting pressure on everything. And um, and so our friend is is telling them to. You know, uh, we tied up the dogs, you know, the, so, you know, not to have them go out and bring bears in or anything. And everybody's got their bear spray and keeping our heads up. And um, and then she tells John she's she, well, John and her other friend are, are just so um they're so, such DIY kind of people that they're just figuring they're putting, putting me in the raft and we're rowing out of there. we got 12 miles to do. He's already calculating in his head how long that's going to take. He's like, we'll take all the weight out of his boat and just me and we'll just row, row, row and get out. But, they, but, someone, but our friend says, um, you know, why don't you run up on the hill and see if you can get a cell signal? And so he takes his bear spray and goes up on, on the hill up there and was able to get a signal. They had our our location from his cell signal and they're and there or he said he could already hear people scrambling in the background phones ringing people moving around uh to get the uh mercy flight uh helicopter folks on the way as i'm laying there they're just kind of keeping me calm and and all that stuff's just starting to happen and fwp's coming out and they're gonna head our way they've got me cleaned up enough then that, that my daughter can come over and see me um she knows that dad, dad's been knocked down by a bear um but he's okay
2: was she pretty upset when she saw you I'm like Um, I'm crying right now I feel like that would be such a hard thing as a as a wife and as a mother for my significant other to be yeah that close to um, to death
3: yeah yeah so she she was you I could tell she had been crying at that moment she was you know she had it together and and she could you know then because she can see me and I'm talking and she's like okay nobody's lying to me. He's going to be okay. Um, which was great, you know, to be able to, to have that conversation and, and, and thank goodness for John again, I should, I should say, you know, you know, talk about friendship and <sighs> sorry.
2: <laughs> no. no, gosh, I've, I've been, uh, I don't know. It's just really hard when you think of that life can just change so <laughs> drastically like yeah. that. It makes me realize how I need to be a little bit better prepared for situations that, you know, that can happen in an instant. So, yeah,
3: yeah. And yeah. that's, I think that's, you know, initially I, I, I was like, you know, well, a, a lot of people were trying to interview me while I was still kind of trying to recover, you know, like for the newspapers, obviously they needed to do their story and I was kind of staying away from that, but my thought now is like if I can tell it and it pings in one person's brain, you know, that like, oh, gosh, it could be just that little that one instant, you know, because I, I always like to think of myself as pretty bear aware, you know, hunting up on the res and just always having it on my hip and practice taking it out and trying to avoid the areas where I think it might be an issue. But, you know, that being said, I, it's do I live up to that my own ethic about that and that's that's easier said than done right to have it on you at every step and um, and sometimes you think oh maybe you'll get some ridicule for you know like oh look at bear spray guy and uh, I don't (laughs) I won't hear any of that and and nor should anyone else
2: I mean I have to say I went camping what was it last week and me and the girls I mean if I had to go to the bathroom I have to be completely honest I'm like Listening to you talk about this, I'm like, did I grab the bear spray with me? No, I was like, because you, you're right. You kind of get to this comfort where are like, oh no, this is my camp spot. Like this is our little house here. But you're actually in their, you're in their house in their backyard.
3: Yeah, and I mean, the other thing is, and I and I know this. You know, we spend a lot of time outside. Is is the you know the habitat, the area we were in, just so open. I mean, the, the bear was actually walking on what what was tantamount to a putting green. You know, it was just you know, and and I know bears live there, and and and, but you just you know, still, and you're probably for you know, this is another good thing to learn. Like you know, in your mind, you you I hunt up on the reservation on the Flathead reservation all the time for birds, and you know, you avoid the thick stuff because you think that's where the bears are going to be, and you know, the bears go wherever they want.
2: (laughs) Um, But back to it. So John is there, and did the so the helicopter. It came and like, what happened? Like after, like, how did yeah. you get out of there?
3: Yeah. So John kept running back up the hill and calling the dispatcher and saying, okay, where are we at? You know, cause of, you know, 45 minutes go, 30 minutes go by 40, you know, an hour goes by. And so he ran up there to make a call about, I think, I think an hour and 15 minutes had gone by or something like that. Maybe an hour. Um, but he goes up and, and he says, "Okay, where are we at? I could be halfway to the bridge by now." You know, he's thinking, <laughs> "You know, I could have, I, I could be extracting him out of here right now." And just about then, he sees FWP vehicles coming um, and some guys from the local, um, you know, uh, emergency services. Um, so the first wave of folks got there, um, including those Fish, Wildlife, and Parks guys. Um, so there's shotguns everywhere, and that they start walking up and. And um, a rancher who lived near nearby um, had come with them. Just kind of, he gave them access across his property. And then the local EMT guys set to work on me, and they're helping me out. And they're doing their thing. And not too long after that, um, helicopter comes in um, and lands on this tiny little spot of gravel right by the river. And these guys come come over and start um taking care of me and they're just awesome i mean all i mean that's the other thing i want to say like all these people were just the best i mean they just you know calm knew what they were doing uh mercy flight guys in particular took really good care of ella they let her sit in the helicopter they let her put on the headphones like uh helping her and that's the other thing that all this kind of stuff reminds me of i mean just being surrounded by these great people but you know these folks you don't know these folks you know that that i do know that are taking such good care of me and you know charging a grizzly bear barehanded that's the part that always jokes me up that's the only time i really cry about this is when i think about you know like johnny doing what he did and it's just amazing so they get me loaded up on there and you know get me on some fentanyl and 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 just I remember flying through the air to um to, um, the hospital, um, just not, not too far away. And, and I got great care there. And I spent uh, one, just one night in the hospital. Uh, no one was able to come see me. So I got to kind of lay there and think about all, this whole thing a little bit. And, you know, because of COVID they, no one could, could yeah. get into in the hospital. So that was hard And my wife and daughter. They just had to drive home and spend the night, uh, here without me. And then, but yeah, they got me, you know, great, doctors and they got me you know they did a lot of it they just kind of leave open because their punctures and and bears mouths are obviously not a clean place to be so they just kind of let them let the stuff you know do its thing and um and they just put a they stitched up my head really nice to where you can't hardly tell there's anything there anymore you know anything happened and um, just put a few i don't know if they're staple big stitches like across this big gash on my on my um, upper or lower chest just to kind of hold it together. And, um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I mean, it's pretty incredible how the body heals. I mean, it's amazing. And you know, the fact that, you know, that I'm doing as well as I am, because like, like I said, John, just like, he's still, I think he's over it a little bit now, but for a while, he just couldn't really, what he saw, my injuries didn't match up with what he saw. I did end the trip with the biggest fish too. I want to get that on record Um, because 21 inch brown yeah and nobody talks about that
2: (laughs) you're like uh i think that we have to remember that i caught the biggest fish actually now now you now everyone on the um who listens to the podcast can know that you caught the biggest brown um, thank you on your life, it, it, was it the biggest brown of your life that you caught?
3: Uh, I think I've caught a, a couple a little bit bigger than that, but this one okay. this is the most memorable. <laughs> yep, double, <laughs> double,
2: double brown. <laughs> you got oh, the yeah. double brown. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe just stick with one and not the other. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
2: I know that also we talk about like you telling your story helps with also knowing about bear safety, but you're also doing something pretty else that's pretty incredible um, for uh, a fundraiser with, uh, is it Camp Make a Dream? Oh,
3: thanks. Yeah. So, so that was a, just a, a thing. So we were going to do the um, Rat Pod, um, which was, you know, Ride Around the Pioneers one day is, is kind of their fundraiser. Um, for Can't Make a Dream, that's for um, kids that have gone through cancer treatment. They do cost free uh, camps with medical supervision for these kiddos. Um, and so I just realized, you know, I was getting a lot of inquiries because kind of everybody heard this news, right? And so it kind of spreads like wildfire. And I'm hearing from people. One of my most common things on my phone is, Thank you so much. Who is this again? Because not, not because I don't know the people, just because they may have not been on my phone for a while. I'm hearing from all kinds of people, which is wonderful. Um, But then I kind of go radio silent. Just, you know, hey, this thing happened. Um, You know, my wife wrote a big thing on Facebook just to kind of a little bit to take the pressure off of uh, John and Terry from the retelling. um, Because I know that the retelling, especially just right after it was taking its toll. So I I realized anyway that I needed to let everybody know. So it just so happened that we were supposed to be riding in Rat Pod to raise money for Can't Make a Dream. And so I, I just decided to, you know, do a post and, and say, Hey, ask me a grizzly bear question <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and for a donation, I'll, I'll answer your question just kind of offhand and thinking, Oh, you know, maybe we can raise, you know, it, we're lucky we can raise $500 or something, maybe. And then the thing just went crazy. I said, Hey, let's raise 500. And then instantly we were already over 500. So I said, Okay, how about a thousand? And then that was just by the wayside. And it just ended up raising $4,000 for, for can't make a dream, which is great
2: yeah which is another positive thing that comes out of uh I mean a crazy horrible story, but you also came some good of it also with yeah um, raising money for that organization is that can people still donate to the organization or is that like it's definitely out okay
3: definitely so not not through my link that I had before kind of for for this particular event, which is their biggest fundraiser, but if you go to their website. There's a link to donate and if, if someone wanted to do that, that'd be wonderful.
2: Well, thank you so much, Matthew, for sharing this story with me. And I think it's just so important as um people who love to recreate that um when you're recreating, you're actually recreating in somebody else's territory and it's you shouldn't ever put your guards down. Even if it feels like it's a perfect morning and everything's quiet and you're putting things away doesn't mean that there's other things. Around the corner that's doing the same thing, just rambling around. Um,
3: you can get um, inert cans of bear spray. So it's the spray without any of the capsaicin, or if I'm saying that right, without any of the nastiness in it, the pepper. Um, so you can get these cans and you can go try them out. So we had all the kids uh, on the Smith River try a can. You know, what does it do when you, when you pull the trigger? How do you get the safety off? So you can play around with the can without the without the fear of spraying it in anyone's eyes. So we had all the kids come up, take the safety off, shoot the can, you know, practice, you know, shooting it kind of down at an angle towards the ground. Just all these kind of things. Um, so that's something people can do, too. You can buy those cans and, and try it out. Um, and I, I would recommend that.
2: Matthew, what's the best? I know you guys actually have also have some exciting news with uh, Blackfoot River Outfitters. You guys have a new building that's going to be. Um a new yeah yeah yeah
3: we're super excited so you know it's one thing to be you know opening a new retail store in this environment but but um it's going to be going to be great going forward and it's just a beautiful beautiful space i mean we've showed it to a lot of these fishing reps you know that go to fly shops all all over the country and they're kind of like okay great another fly shop um, but it's really interesting to have them walk in and then to see their face and, and then just wait for the, and then pause for several seconds. And then there's usually some expletives involved and, um, just saying mm-hmm. they, they haven't really seen anything like it, which is great, which is just what we were going for. So, yeah, it's, it's a new, much, much bigger space. We've way outgrown our space in Missoula. And it, I think it's going to be kind of a, a destination for people and a good hangout place and, yeah it's it's really really exciting
2: where and where where what's the address of the new place
3: so it's on it's on uh the corner of uh north russell and montana so for our local folks it's going to be on the same street as byron brewery and it's uh right across the street from the pink Grizzly. Um, so, yeah, it's just just fronted right up there on Russell. So you can't, can't miss it. Um, and we're on the north end of the building that's the tall. It's, uh, we have uh, the main floor and then a mezzanine. And there's 28-foot ceilings. Um, and there's a, there's a deck on the outside of it looking north. And there's a, a basement that's one and a half times the size of our current store. It's really... Really neat. So people definitely have to make a point to check it out. I think I don't think they'll be disappointed. I
2: know, like twenty twenty, a lot of people say twenty twenty is like such a a a shit year. But I also think twenty twenty is also a year of reflection and and uh, learning about uh, how to make a better of the life that we have. And I think it's also for your stance. It's like you know, I think we now have to reflect on our friendships and the people that matter the most and how we take care of the world around us. And also like now, how do we, you know, another lesson of like, how do we recreate safely outside? And it's just being more fair aware, I guess, but I do appreciate you sharing it. And I also think the camp make a dream is a wonderful opportunity for, um, for people to donate to an organization. Um, and, I think it's a great way to contribute to the story as well. It's like let's share and let's turn it into something that can be a little bit more, more positive. <laughs>
3: yeah, I think that's the overarching um, theme: is that people are good and uh, they've been really good great to us, so we feel really lucky.
2: Well, thanks again, Matthew, and I look forward to going to check out your guys' new shop and in the new in the near future.
1: For the inside scoop on the fly patterns we've discussed with our guest, check our blog for Flies of the February Room. If you would like to enter the February Room, shoot us an email at info at Also, remember to subscribe, share, and if we've earned it, give us those five stars. Thanks for dropping by, and remember to go fishing.